All right, welcome back, everybody. Thirsty Thursday, number 38. Tonight, we have the extreme honor and pleasure uh, to be talking with one of the best human beings to walk the face of the planet, and that is the gentleman to my left, right, whichever, to my side, uh, Mr. Tommy Kane. Um, Tommy has had a, a wonderful career um, through various places, and I am super excited to hear about all of that tonight. Um, so I'm going to cut it short. Um, we'll kick it down to Trevor real quick. Uh, Bobby and Mike are out um, wrangling the Vertically Challenged, um, so they will be joining us as uh, soon as they get that all taken care of. Um, but for now, let's let's kick it down to Trevor and then hear what TK has to say. Awesome. Thanks, Ben. Um, just like you, I'm really excited to have Tommy Kane on, or TK, as he's known to uh, the majority of us. Um, I had the pleasure to work with Tommy for many, many, many years of, of my career. Um, not to make you feel old, Tommy, but you know, even as a cadet, um, yeah, you come that. around a little snot-nosed cadet running around Ocean City. Um, you know, Tommy was one of those guys that uh, you're just like like a Dell Baker or Dougie Scott that would always take the time to answer a question or work with you. And you know, they probably were dog tired or may or may not have been having a good shift, but they always put their best foot forward. And that was something I always um, not only you know, admired, but also respected quite a bit is um, that no matter how bad things were, and Tommy, you, I don't know how uh, much you remember saying this, but you said it often, no matter what was going on, you're like, damn, this is still the best job in the world. And that, that resonates uh, true today, and I still believe that. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, TK uh, timeline and history we want to get into and um, see what rabbit holes we go down. And, you know, even going as far back, Tommy, as maybe, um, you know, your, your beach patrol days or even the hurricane nightclub bouncer days. You never know what might come up in here. Um, so with, with that, TK, I'll throw it over to you for a little introduction and we'll take it away. Now, first of all, I've seen you guys and we can't wait to see Bobby. You bring a smile to my face. Uh, nothing but good memories and happy days. And I'm glad everybody's doing well, you know, looking good and, and healthy. So, yeah, it's all good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess how I got to Ocean City. Um, came down the night I graduated from high school, didn't go to any parties or anything. You know, the ocean has always had you know, my, my interest in my heart. So, uh, you know, went to Ocean City and uh, worked for Mr. Jarman at Jimmy's Beach Service on uh, Dorchester Street for a couple of weeks. And then um, took the beach patrol test, uh, passed that. Did that for many summers and went to Salisbury State back then. And um, yeah, as the, the, the traveled a few winters and then kind of settled into Ocean City during the winter time. And from my time on the beach, uh, usually I guarded down by the inlet and the rock pile and the jetties. And I saw a lot of the, the fire EMS guys come out and girls. Uh, tell you, you know, Billy Bounds, Steve Cooper, Stevie Cropper, Nelson Wright, Larry Buchanan, David Collins, you know, Steve Davis, and you know, it goes on, uh, you know, Gardenia, you know, Mason McCabe. Anyway, so that caught my interest. And while I was going to school, um, I thought, well, you know, I'm going to work for Jacques Cousteau, sail around the world, make a lot of money. So while I waited for that to happen, um, I said, you know, I'm going to join a volunteer fire company. And then there was a waiting list. And I think the waiting list was several months long. I think Stevie Cropper and Nelson Wright signed my application. Uh, another winter passed, you know, was taking some classes, still no word from Jacques, and uh, I got into the volunteer fire company. And I went to Al Harmon's uh, School of Fire Service upstairs on Dorchester Street. Um, they let me go to school for my EMT, which was great. And then at that time, you know, things were starting to get really busy in Ocean City, especially in the wintertime. 
and then uh, the mayor and city council allocated four or five new positions. And uh, Cobra said, hey, you want a job? I said, well, what do I have to do? So you have to work year round. Do I have to wear shoes? Can I wear my bathing suit? No, man, you gotta wear a uniform. Said, okay, I'll give it a whirl. Anyway, the best, the best tangent I've ever taken. So we did that and of course went to CRT school, paramedic school and met a ton of great people and stayed there for 31 years. And um, yeah, it was just great. Um, my vision of Jacques Cousteau kind of went by the wayside, which was okay, because as far as I'm concerned, this was a better job. Um, so this, I did it for 31 years. And then it was just, there came a time where it was just time to move on. And so I did. And uh, so I think for the next year, I taught school, uh, taught at the community college, and did a little bit of tree work, landscape work on the side. Then a good friend of mine, uh, Ed Workhauser, retired battalion chief from Salisbury, said, hey, there's an emergency management position available in Worcester County. You should apply for it. Well, what does it do? Do I have to wear shoes and socks? He goes, yeah, you got to sit in an office. I said, ah, let me think about it. So he told me more about it, and he was doing it for the state of Maryland as the regional liaison for MEMA out of Reisterstown. And he said, it's kind of like what you do when the fire service and the EMS, as far as incident command, it's just on a larger scale. Yeah, you really have to network. I said, okay, I'll apply. Anyway, so I did, and I was very fortunate enough to get the job. And obviously been down there at, uh, at the, not the tavern, but whatever that restaurant was in Snow Hill. Um, the Harvest had, Moon. Yeah, Harvest Moon. Uh, my director at the time was, was Teresa Owens. Uh, worked out very well. After about two months, I hired in January, I think of 2012. About two months later, she came into the office and said, hey, what are you doing in March? I said, I don't have any idea. How would you like to go to the National Hurricane Center for a week of training with FEMA and learn about the weather system? And being a fan of the beach and the ocean, I thought, man, this is a great way to learn more about the weather. Anyway, so I came home, asked for permission, as we do with most things, and I went down, and it was great. And um, every, I'll say, FEMA gives each state agency grant money, and they allocate it for specific projects. And NEMA just distributes some of that money to, I think, Worcester County, anyways, to three or four jurisdictions. And the individuals that went to the school down there were from the Mid-Atlantic region. Bob McGee, another person that brings a great smile to my face. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello, Tommy Kane. How are you, buddy? I'm great. Hey, how is uh, Kathy, Patrick, and Timmy? See, they're all doing good? well. Thank you. Awesome. How's your family? Good. Everybody's good. Everybody's healthy. Good, yeah, good. no complaints up here. We're down here. So we're going good. Yeah, so anyway, I went down to the Hurricane Center and was like meeting the Derek Jeters of the Weather Service. It was just incredible. And the other good part was I got to network with people. Um, we met several uh, emergency managers from New York City. I mean, it was Connecticut, uh, New Jersey, of course, Maryland, and Delaware. And we ran through a bunch of scenarios, uh, you know, how to deal with the press or what certain weather systems would do. So this is January of two, no, maybe March of 2012. One of the scenarios that we went through uh, for everybody was what if a tropical storm or hurricane went towards New York City and flooded out the subway systems and the water rose to like very high levels and the individuals from New York said, it'll never happen. 
it'll never happen. We're too well prepared up there for for floods and and taking care of those things. Well, you know what happened in October, November of 2012? Sandy. So yeah, so that's uh, turned out to be a, a good exercise. Hey, one of the other individuals I met up there, and you talk about. I think that emergency management could be a natural progression from fire, EMS, law enforcement, you know, into your, your next profession. Um, Joe Bricado, uh, an assistant chief from Baltimore City, he was down there and he was the operations director for NEMA. Um, so yeah, it's, it's all good. So, uh, and now I'm doing some substitute teaching and enjoying the family even more and getting some ocean time in. That's, that's awesome. That's great. What I, like I'm just sitting here in awe, you know. Like I, I remember. You know, I guess what, probably you know one of down there, you guys are are advocates of training. I do have to say that through my career in Ocean City, even in Worcester County, whenever I asked to do some training somewhere within the state, one of the neighboring states, whether it's Virginia or Delaware, I don't think I was ever turned down, and I think that's a, a big plus for. And maintain a, a good attitude throughout your career is the uh, ability to train and then share that knowledge and it keeps everybody safe. So I was uh, very happy that I was able to go to you know, Miami as well as other places through those five years of being in uh, emergency management. And then the resources from the state was very good about allocating funds for the counties or holding classes in different parts of the state so you could attain different levels of certification and recognition. Um, and FEMA has a great program of uh, independent study courses on their website. I mean, you can take those and get certificates. Uh, and then you can take some more classes to go towards other certificates, as well as your know, classrooms to, to maintain you know, different levels of certification. So it's so it's good to always train, you know, stay active, keep, keep the joints going. Yeah, and Tommy, one of the, uh, we were talking Bobby a little bit before uh, you came on, uh, you know, certainly about the respect we've had for TK over the years, but one of the greatest things I think as um, inspiration for that training, not only being hungry for it, but you know, TK, you're always one of those people that no matter what you learned, you would bring it back and share it. And not only that, but it was always the inference that, hey, I'll tell you everything I know. I want you to know everything I know and more. Um, yeah, I, I, you're like, I don't want to be the smartest guy in a room. I want someone else to be the smartest guy in a room, and I can you know, help them with that. So. Um, yeah, and I just want to say you know, thank you for that over the years, because to me, there's so many people in our industry, whether it's fire, EMS, hazmat, emergency management, what have you, they have a tendency to cloister the information so they can be that important guy or girl when the time comes um, and not realizing that, you know, it's that team concept. And I think you always did it on your shifts. I'm not think, but I'm, I know you did it on your shifts because I worked on your shift for uh, for a while. And, um, you know, is bringing all that information and trying to make everybody better. So, um, you know, Tommy, you have some, you know, teaching background, too. You, t you touched on that a little bit between the community college and, you know, running your shift and doing some stuff. But what, what, what's your mindset when it comes to trying to share that information for the next generation? I mean, what's, what, what's the lead thing in your mind that you're thinking about when you're trying to pass those things along to us? Lead by example, which is something that you three, I've seen the three of you do. And, you know, it's, besides just taking the classes, I, um, I think we were lucky that we had many members who were volunteer, work for volunteer fire companies, like Bob McGee, Doug Scott, Ben, you are. So in addition to the training that we took at work, they took training at their home companies and they would bring that back. 
So it seems like there was always a flow of information to improve and to make things safe. And, um, and it, was on, it was in a very casual style. I mean, you sat, sat at the kitchen table, you know, the most sacred room in the firehouse. You talked about things, you argued about things. You know, if somebody presented a way of putting on a splint or doing a, a hose drill, somebody said, well, let's try this a little better. Um, and you go outside and you practice it. And if it worked out fine, you, you corrected your mistakes and everybody was better for it. But you know, there, was, yeah, there, there, there always seemed to be a discussion and uh, discussions were always good. And yeah, it's, um, sharing that knowledge and training is, is the key to it all. And, and Tommy, that's something else. I, I, want, I want to tell this quick story and then turn it back over. Um, is you, know, you always had the ability to you know, talk to somebody on a very personal level. And I still remember when you know, we, we as a fire department at that point, we didn't do ocean or surf rescue per se. I mean, we got calls for it before and after hours and beach patrol, but it was typically the guys who were the surfers and the water dogs who we go out there on an informal basis. So either you're a diver or surfer uh, somehow comfortable in the water. And I, I still can remember vividly when uh, myself and Dell uh, had, it was Wes Smith and uh, Ward Kovacs, as a matter of fact. And, um, oh gosh, I'm drawing a blank now. Uh, who, who was uh, Butch Arbin? Uh, yeah, they said, hey, yeah, well, you know, if you guys want to come up and cross train on the beach, and this is before we could wear anything other than our collared shirt and pins and everything else. And Dell, Dell and I had snuck up to the beach to do some training. You knew about it. And of course, we get like a, I think it came out as a cardiac arrest or something. Yeah. And Dell and I show up getting out of the ambulance, <laughs> dripping wet with t shirts and, and uh, flip flops and shorts, just soaked. And of course, David, you were, you were the OIC and David Collins came down on the scene. And I remember he, that. He had, okay. he had his famous phone face. He's like, you know, kind of, but uh, Tom, Tommy ran interference for us. And, and he, you, you took David Collins from the point of uh, getting ready to have a stroke himself to, understanding what was going on so you know, you've always been an advocate for training yourself and you know even uh even sometimes at the detriment of getting yourself in trouble you're able to explain the why behind it and saying hey i'd, I'd rather and i've used this um and giving you credit for it i tell my folks all the time i would much rather explain to a family why you showed up looking like a drowned rat than you know why it took you so long to get there yep. while you're looking pretty so if you were out training um, and doing the right thing to make your service better, by all means, I'm more than happy to explain to them why you didn't um, meet the dress code of the department that day. But I just wanted to throw that I, out I, there. I, I remember that. We were at 24th Street. <laughs> anyway, don't sweat the small stuff. Not, not a big deal. Uh, yeah. yeah, we thought we, yeah, um, we didn't yeah. fired. But yeah, Tommy's <laughs> like, guys, I got this. Don't worry about it. Just just go dry off. And fortunately, it turned out it, it was uh, yeah. not a false call, but it didn't turn not out to be false. anything. Collins was an awesome boss. He was good. I mean, I don't think we really had any bad ones. I mean, towards then it got a little political, but up until then, yeah, whether you know Cover, uh, Billy Bounds, you know Clay Stamp, you know David Collins, you know Theobald, yeah, everybody got along great. And even when we had the, that union stuff going on, we break out into a caucus, cuss at each other, walk it back, yeah, have a happy face, and everybody was was content. So uh, yeah, good times, all good times. I'll never forget when I, when I first got hired, we still had the career engine up at station three and for a part-timer, especially a new part-timer to have a shift on the wagon was unheard of. Um, and it was on, it was on your shift. It was when one of the KMEs had just come in and we had to go down to headquarters and, and load the attack lines on the back of it. And, um, we 
we were pulling out and I remember sitting back there thinking we had paid to ride a fire engine. This is pretty cool. Um, and I, I remember you saying, remember guys, positive customer service. And every time, every time I remember pulling out of a fire engine with you as the officer, I, I, I don't remember if you said it every time, but in my mind, every time we left the firehouse, anytime we walked into a, into a grocery store or into any, anywhere we went, it was always positive customer service. And that is something that has stuck with me. I mean, shit, that was probably 12 years ago now. Um, and it's still something that we pull out and go on a call, going to get groceries, going to do whatever. And it's still in the back of my mind. Um, it, yeah, it is. It's all about customer service because it reflects back on you anyway. But um, I remember one time we went to the, the store and uh, somebody called up and said, why is the engine at the store? And said, well, we're getting food. Why don't you just bring your own food? So I said, I'm going to get them with customer service. The next time we went back to the store, we set up a little table. It was, it was David, you, and I don't know who the fourth person was. We bought the little fire helmets and coloring books. And so we brought them into the store. They started handing them out to the kids and anybody that wanted any. So, yeah, I mean, these guys are great going to the store. Now come on back anytime. <laughs> so it was all like you know, the customer service. Uh, but, yeah, it was, it was, um, it was all, we had all good bosses. I think they all advocated training. Um, you know, emergency management, you know, that move was, you know, the, the fire and EMS was definitely a, a localized business because you stayed in your territory, you stayed in your station, you stayed with your equipment, and going to emergency management just expanded it. You dealt with a county, the county surrounds you. Um, we had the Delmarva Task Force, which I think Clay Stamp started that, um, was involved with the counties up in Delaware and then Virginia to the south, as well as you know, the eastern shore counties. And we would have meetings and go through scenarios. And then once um, you know, the air show expanded, you know, with Eagle and Bob Rose and my Islands, then I started to felt like I started to understand it because, you know, with so many players involved, there were, I guess, different airplanes or different show personnel from different aspects of life, federal, state, and local. And I was like, gosh, what happens if a plane goes down on the federal park of Aspie? What happens if a plane goes down on the state park of Aspie? What happens if the plane goes within two or three miles of the beach or past those two or three miles? And it kind of goes back to that video that we've all seen, the hats of incident command with the Delaware State Trooper puts on the different hats and talks about all the classes we take and says, you know what? Everything you need to know about incident command, you learned in grade school. Hold hands, look both ways across before you cross the street and get along with each other. That's it. But uh, yeah, so anyway, so back to the emergency management, you know, we, we would have the tabletop exercise. So if something happened, we knew who was going to be in charge. We didn't have to fight over the different hats of incident command. All right. Come something. Hello, Tommy. How's everything? I think the best way to start off was how I met Tommy. Um, <laughs> But, but maybe even before that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, for decades in the fire service, there's been people that have definitely had a, a very big influence in my life. Um, and, you know, uh, we, I've talked about Doug Scott in the past. And you know, when I first got in the fire service, um, you know, he was just he was the one that sold me on the fact that we need to try to be good at it. We're a very small, rural, uh, slow volunteer fire department. And he didn't care his his focus was on you know doing things right um and and there's been people like that and, and where tommy 
fist in his whole thing was when I when I got hired or was going through the hiring process in Ocean City. Tommy and I had never met that I know of, and uh, I had was going down to do my physical agility test and all that stuff in the run and everything for the testing part. And Tommy was one of the proctors doing a test, and so I was a nice day. So I rode my uh, I had a Triumph motorcycle when I rode it down. And, and I rolled in the parking lot, and I got off, and, and Tommy met me at the door. He's like, man, who are you? And I said, I'm Bobby McGee. And he's like, man, what kind of bike is that? You know. And, and, and we had this con- like a five- or a ten-minute conversation, and you would have swore that we were friends forever. I mean, just Tommy's that kind of guy that, you know, when, whenever he would meet somebody, he would make them feel included, you know, make them feel like something. And, and I had the, the, the pleasure and the honor of working with Tommy. Um, he was my lieutenant and you know it was, it was cool because he did care about the orders and the protocols and the SOGs and everything else but he's always very respectful about it and, and the way he went about it was yeah I want you to do what we're supposed to do here but he was always very um, uh, very uh, nice about it um, but he would get animated if you try to push back a little bit you know but um, it's just, I mean, Tommy's just that guy that I, I, when Tommy was up here, we'd hang around each other a little bit. And, and he'd be like, we'd ride down the road and he'd be like, hey, I heard this guy's building coppers in Salisbury. Let's go find him. I'm like, what? Yeah, let's go find him. He's over here somewhere in the business park. We go, and then we would find him. And you walked in and within five minutes, this guy that built choppers all the time was his best friend, too. And we had this conversation about how to build choppers and they ended up having mutual friends and, you know, things like that. So. It was always so much fun. We still miss you, Tommy. It's not a blunt person. So we all reflect yeah. on each other. We're proud of our environment. You know, I mean, it, mm-hmm. you, you, all three of you, plus I can say all, pretty much all the people that we work with all had you know, good attitudes, uh, good personality. We were, you know, some a little more, more low-key than others. But, I mean, that reflected on me, reflected on you. So we, we all reflected on each other. It was good. It was so, great. So, Tommy, I got a question for you. Um, yeah, it's not bad, but you know, um, you know, when I when I met you, um, you were still doing like the triathlons and doing some really extreme kind of sports things. And um, you know, I, I have my own opinions, but you know, what do you think about uh, the physical fitness in the fire service and where that should be? Yeah, you got to have it. Healthy body, healthy mind. Um, I mean, you're always pushing, pulling, and lifting, whether it's fire, EMS, or whatever. And um, you know, to be physically fit is, is a reduction in call outs. Uh, it's a reduction in you know, claims on insurance. So the city should be happy with that or whoever you work for should be happy with that. Yeah, I'm definitely an advocate for it. Um, I know that <laughs> there's several times um, I would, David and I would go for a walk and we might go walk around the park, but it always seemed like you got a call or some sort of call for service when you're out exercising. And we tried, you know, covering stations and that worked for a while. but you know, if you can do it on your off time, that's great. Um, but I definitely think that uh, the department should allow time for physical activity because it keeps them healthier, safer, and and it's a good way. It's 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 good for your customers too. I mean, it, you it allows you to go out to do the job. It might be a little more strenuous, but if you're healthy, you, know, you can accomplish the task. But the same thing, we always work as as a team. So if somebody's too heavy, and you know we're healthy and been working out. Hey, just call for help. You know, keep it simple. No, but yeah. definitely an advocate. Um, not doing as much as I used to, but still trying to get in as much ocean time and swimming and biking as possible. 
and Tommy, I still to this day, um, it's part of that collage in my office. But uh, you remember the days when we used to get off shift at 74th yeah. Street Station and we yeah, had the early surfing. morning surf sessions. Yeah. And there's a picture of me, you, Branicky, and Dell, I think it is. <laughs> and we're all there, of course, you know, um, you know, you, you remember when uh, when hair was short and boards were long mm-hmm. back, way back in the day. But, uh, you know, we're, we'd all go up there and surf in the morning to Bobby's point. You know, it was just about that camaraderie and just, you know, kind of staying fit and challenging each other. And I, I always remember because we ran tons and tons and tons of, um, of beach calls in ocean city. And, you know, when, when you and Baker, I think that, you know, part of, part of it was just, uh, <laughs> between the camaraderie and everything else, but part of it was the old, the old beach patrol days too, is, you know, where everyone's carrying their stuff, you know, Tommy's got like the old men in gray back monitor and like the, you know, 800 pounds of stuff. Baker's got the same thing. And these guys are David Hasselhoff the beach. And no, neither one of them would even breathe through their mouth. They're like breathing through. I swear they both breathe through their ears because they run up and, hello, uh, you know, what seems to be the problem today, drowning victim? And, you know, and the rest of us are sitting there sucking wind all day long. But but it was great because, you know, it was like you said, Tommy, it was it was lead by example without telling us that you were leading by example. It was just, you know, the be, be kind to everybody, engage everybody. You, know, you, you knew people's names and uh, the other kids' names and what was going on. But. Also, is that thing where you, know, you just had your your tail kicked, you know, on a twenty four hour shift, and the next thing you know, it's like you know we're we're heading across the street to the beach first thing in the morning because TK said, "Hey man, bring your boards. It's going to be a good swell tomorrow morning," and then we're all grubbing up on breakfast at General's Kitchen afterwards. Yeah. So, uh, good good stuff, Tommy. Yeah, but you're right, Bobby. It's just that um, that fitness level. But you know, Tommy, you did the Ironman in Hawaii too, didn't you? That was a long, long, long time ago. <laughs> oh, so so was Hawaii a state then or no? <laughs> I I think they were. They, I, I think the year before. <laughs> I made Bobby. I remember one time. Um, God, then we got like fifteen flights of stairs, and the guy wanted to refuse, and we forgot to bring the book. We had everything. We had to sign a napkin. <laughs> so I'm not coming back down here again. <laughs> hey. Tommy, you know, you, you kind of bridge, uh, for us, the history of Ocean City Fire Department, you know? Uh-huh. And so, so you know, one of the things is, uh, I know you, you started off as a beach patrol, right? When you yeah. first started down there? Right. Yeah. Um, you know, tell everybody um, what what history, what do you want to be remembered about the fire department when you first got in it? You know, what was it like? You know, what were the guys like, the friends you had back then? And and just, just tell us a little bit about what your experiences were when you first got in the fire department. And, and you can say what year it is, too, if you want. <laughs> now, if that started, first of all, it was all good. And then all the guys and girls that we work with, they were great as well. Um, I think my first year was, I think, December of 1978. And then um, the city hired five. And I think it was George Johnson, Ron Snyder, I think Wayne and Joey were already hired. And um, then Keith Long and Keith Downey came along. Um, but that, yeah, we, that's uh, Montego Bay uh, opened uh, year round. That's why they hired everybody. Um, back then it was pretty much everything was out of 15th Street and Dorchester Street. Um, yeah, it, it was, you know, winter times were kind of slow. And you might go a week or two without a call. They probably ran more engine calls then for just alarm bells and weather related stuff. 
um, a lot of regulars on medical. And winters were were different. Um, you know, definitely not like you have it now in Ocean City, where you know you're pretty much nonstop with a probably like the second busiest city in the state for like four or six months out of the year. Um, but yeah, it, it was good. Um, you, know, you you train with a volunteer fire company. Um, you know, we did most of our training with them. Like I said, um, instead of taking you know fire one and fire two, back then you took uh, Al Harmon's fire school. Um, you know, Charles Elliott and Steve Cropper would teach you pumps, and then they would take you out to Elliott's pond. He had a draft and pump. Um, you had J.D. Quillen, the air pack man. He came in and he showed you stuff, and then you had to repeat everything. So it was probably, well, actually, it was less book work and definitely a lot of practical work and being out in the field. So I guess what I say, see one, do one, or see one, teach one, do one, something like that. Um, but yeah, it, it was great. And then you know, things got more formalized in fire and EMS, you know, CRT school, paramedic school, and then all the different fire schools from MIFRI. Um, yeah, and then things just evolved. And I don't know how many people you have there now, but um, I have in one of my pictures of all of us standing in front of uh, 15th Street. I know that Trevor's in, in that picture. Um, and I think there may be 30 of us. And that included the dispatchers and everybody working. And um, I think everybody, well, a couple have gone, but you know, and they're missed. But um, yeah, it, it evolved. Everything evolves over time. Everything gets better and more sophisticated. But uh, all, all those years were good. And you know, we, I think we always worked. Uh, I can remember a couple summers where they would not hire anybody in the summertime. And we were working a lot. And of course the paychecks were good. And um, we're having parties with the, the girls from Miami Perfect Medical Center as we look across to uh, Big Red. Uh, but yeah, it, it was good. I don't, yeah, I don't know if that answers your question, but yeah, there's definitely an evolution and you know, the training was good and uh, all good memories and everybody was safe. So, so TK, when you started, there was no career staff at Station Three. There was not. No. Was that was, was that was, just volunteers? Because I know Trevor didn't. You guys live there. Yeah. Yep. They, the volunteers. They, uh, man, they man that station. Trevor and uh, you know, Jimmy Childs, JD Wells, and Mike Hastings were there a lot. Um, that that station was man almost twenty four seven, especially in the summertime. Um, and uh, yeah, they they took care of all the engine calls, all the fire calls. And it, now it was staff in the summertime, but definitely not in the wintertime. Maybe an occasional you know, busy or a, a storm would come in that we might, uh, they might staff it. But um, as it was maybe, I guess in the original group, well, I don't know, I don't know Clay Stamp, uh, there were maybe 15 of us. And then we just got busy and, and hired more. Hmm. Yeah, well, Tommy, I, I got to... Um... I was just thinking of when this for another show at another time, but you know, a lot of those names that you brought up were oh you know, just like you very, very instrumental in shaping a lot of us. And I, I joke sometimes that I was a, a abandoned at birth and raised by a pack of wild firemen, but you know, people like Jimmy Childs, JD Wells, Mike Hastings, um, you know, uh, oh gosh, uh, Chauncey Bowers, um, yeah. you know, go, going back to some of those people, but my very first, my very first shift, um, you know, obviously starting as volunteer and stayed that way for quite a while. But my very first shift that I worked as a part-timer at Ocean City out of headquarters was with uh, Tim Price as the OIC and George Johnson and Larry Buchanan. Yeah. And 
best best day in the world. I ran yep. I ran a, a, a forty-three cardiac arrest and like a bunch of other calls. But I mean, that was like it was like going to the Super Bowl on your first day of work. It would it couldn't have gotten any better. Yep, I can remember, yeah, I remember, uh, before when I was hired, um, a good friend of mine, uh, Mike Mathai, we worked on the beach together and we went to Salisbury together. And he actually retired as an assistant chief, I think, out of Oceanside, California. But Larry would take us out and show us the medic unit, drive us around, show us the license siren, you know, get, you know, get the juice from and kind of the, the first, you know, one of our first introductions being inside the medic unit. He'd take us around Dorchester Street, show us around the, you know, the engines and they get us all jazzed up and then uh yeah, he retired after like 30 31 years himself so yeah so i would i would say Larry was the most instrumental but he was definitely uh one of, one of the ones but yeah those names of the volunteer fire company i mean think about i mean some of those the guys who just they just had such mechanical minds for figuring out pumps i mean you know, like you skip on even david Crocker, you know there's ropes and riggings and stuff i mean that you know, so much practical sense and so much, uh, and just you know, a good sense for mechanics and getting things done. Uh, but uh, yeah, good time, good time. Hey, Tommy. Yeah, man. So, uh, so those that are watching and don't know, David Cropper's been a, a big part of the fire department for a long time. So this is a perfect time for you to tell us what it was like working with David Cropper. He's retired now, so he's safe. I know. It, it was a blast. Um, <laughs> What was funny because I think we both started, and I I think the night I was, I joined the volunteer fire company. I think David Proper, David Lockwood, we all got sworn in the same time by Clifford Dipsky. But talk about two individuals who are as opposite as day and night, who can get along as good as peas and carrots, as Forrest Gump would say. Uh, very sharp individual, good friend. Probably one of the only ones I really talked to every uh, you know couple months. <laughs> I saw I can I can see some of those uh, things coming across there. If we had two hours, I could probably tell you some stories <laughs> about the two of us. But the bottom line it was whether it was uh, everybody who was working, we all got along very well. We got the work done, and I think we did the work with a very high quality. Um, but a very sharp individual, uh, a good friend. And working with him was definitely a tree. I mean, you know, I learned so many things from him on the practical side, you know, ropes and rigging and just sitting around talking. I mean, all the knowledge is not in books. It's in thinking and doing, and he's a thinking and doer. I don't know, what do you guys say about him? I'm sure probably pretty much the same. <laughs> well, you know what? When, when you mention a person's name and they bring a smile to your face, that's a good thing. I'm sorry, go ahead, Ben. I said, I'm, I'm trying to go through some pictures and find some of David and Tommy together, but. Well, yeah, my, yeah my, my last shift was with uh, David and Carolyn down at Station yeah. 2. And it yeah, was I was going to say, I, I think I remember that. And um, that's good. And Tommy, you hit the, you hit on something really important. Um, you know, we're we're a family in the fire service, and you always reminded us of that because you know when you spend twenty four hours at a time with a, a small group oh, yeah. of people, it's just like you know you're it could be like your siblings or your aunts and uncles, parents, what have you. 
And you know, there's there's times we get along, there's times we get on each other's nerves, but at the end of the day, we're all family and have that respect for each other. So, um, and I just remember the, you know, a lot of the levity that uh, you know you brought to the job too, because and I saw um, you know, Brad Reeder put something in a, a few minutes ago about talking about how mental health in the fire service is such a focus today, in addition to physical health. And that was always one of the things that you 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 always you know as a as a lieutenant, as a just as a human being and a brother firefighter paramedic, you were always looking out for, um, you know, how everybody was doing and reminding us, hey, look, at the end of the day, we're all family here. We're going to get the job done, but you know, not at the expense of you know, ourselves. And uh, yeah, that was one of the you know, very unique things that no matter how bad things got, whether you know it, it could be the most horrific fire call or medical call, whatever. Um, you know, a lot of you guys, you, David, you know, all those guys would always have some sort of levity, um, you know, some, some of which now would be like chapters. Um, well, actually, I think Mike Hickman is responsible for chapters seven through nine of the, uh, human resources manual, but, you know, most of those things today would probably get us in a little bit of trouble, but, um, you know, like you said, there's, there's so much just, you know, good practical knowledge and, uh, you know, people brought that forward and, and, uh, you know, look, looking back, it's just, you know, such, it, it's a, it's a great job. It's like you said, the greatest job in the world. Yeah. I saw uh, when you mentioned Brad, I, I would say probably one of the worst, I would say not the worst call, but one of the worst nights I ever had was with Brad in Nevada. I fade along, you know, and you will leave it at that. But when I saw him at Dell's retirement party, we both spoke of the same incident at the same time. The five years was, was a really sharp, um, Summertime person for us. Wish you would have stayed. But uh, yeah, if you're sleeping there with somebody yeah, for 24 hours every every couple days for, for 20, 25 years, yeah, you get to know each other real well. And you get to share a lot of things uh, that's you know work related and non-work related. And, and I, I would agree, Tommy, and you know, I've, I've heard a lot of names mentioned tonight that I haven't heard in, in a long time or probably even haven't spoken in a long time. But it, it does kind of beg the question in my mind. Um, you know, we we certainly worry about the the current generation and the future generations. But, um, yeah, I think it's really important that we you know, we remember a lot of those people who served before us because we're standing on their shoulders um, I and mean, yours included. But when we talk about some of these names and you just brought up, wow, you know, one of the worst calls I was on was with. Um, you know, this individual or that individual. So, um, Ben, you were very instrumental. I think you and Kimmy, which I thought was great. Um, I did. I, I was a little bit kind of um, I thought I thought the name you gave it was great for people like, you know, you know Tommy, Dell, Collins, all those guys. But um, Ben, can you talk about that for a little bit? What you know, kind of made you bring that lunch together? Because Ben, Ben would get the retirees together. Um, and it was just nice. We sit around, just, you know, shoot the bull and talk about stories. And I, I'm I'm still the kid. Um, you know, I was a kid when I came in, I was a snot nosed kid then, and I'm still the kid of that group. So, um, you, with that, you, Ben and Tommy, if you guys don't mind, uh, for a second, just kind of talk about that and what, it, what it means to you and why you put that together. Yeah. I, I think it all started, um, when Tommy started, like you had already retired and you were working in, in Snow Hill at that yeah, point for right. emergency management. And, um, I think Kimmy came down, we were working on something for, as, as, as athletic trainers. I said, well, you know, Tommy's just down the street. And she says, no way. I said, yeah. I said, I, you know, we, we would text back and forth or I'd email you about something. And we go, um, and, and Kimmy is like, well, we should try and go to lunch with him. I was like, sign me up. Uh, and Holloway was working at Snow Hill. Yep. Another good person there. 
Yeah. Um, so it was just something that we started reaching out and it went from the three or four of us to, I actually, I just found, I just scrolled past again. I'm still looking for pictures. Um, I mean, there, we, we would have most of the restaurant was filled up with people that were retired from ocean city. I mean, it was, it was a heck of a group. I'd have to call it. Here it is. I'd have, and this isn't even everybody. I'd have to call and give them a heads up because, um, well, part of it was because of Ray Wooden was coming. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's see, where's, here we go. They had to change. Yeah, what, what, uh, I've got some members there. Right? Every one of those persons, every one of those individuals, top notch, top notch. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was just in in all honesty, in all honesty, I was I was being selfish because like those are all people that were working in Ocean City that I had, you know, started with and was um, you know had become friends with, and working in the schools, you know, I would only work you know a couple months out of the year over the summer when we were busy, um, so I didn't get to see everybody. So again, it was kind of selfish that you know, try and get all these people together. And I think it was through one of the lunches of the first time I met Hickman. And that has completely <laughs> changed my life forever. Um, in a good way and in a bad way. We're not going to talk about the second half of that, but. Um, it's nothing. Did, little mouthwash and therapy won't take care of it. Did, did, you, did you get your last shot in the series yet? Yes. Yeah, I did get that. I'm working. Hang on a second. Working on my mouthwash right here. I think as much as we would like to see everybody from the past, I think those from the past would like to see everybody as well. So that would yeah. be anything to work on, you know, give a, a couple months, you know, worth of notice, maybe have something at the firehouse or just, you know, a, you know, a restaurant in Berlin or just a, a mutual location. I'm, I'm sure a lot of people would travel for that. Because I, 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 I can't think of anybody who would not like to see somebody else. I think everybody got along very well. Yeah. Yeah. Ben, the next lunch needs to be in Virginia Beach, I think. Or Florida in the wintertime. <laughs> yeah, I, I call that Tuesday, Tom. <laughs> there was one. Remember the dinner that we did at um, the Globe? Yep. That was a that great turnout. We, we, done, we actually did a couple. Remember that? We had one that was upstairs. And then we did another one that was huge. It was on the stage, and that's when um, that's when they brought Larry Buchanan, and he's down at he's down at the far end of the the one end. I'm down at the other, sitting there next to JH. Which, like, holy cow, that's that's another one of like yikes. Um, nothing but love for JH, but I remember looking down and it was Larry Buchanan was sitting next to Maycrans, and I would. I'd look down like, and I look back at JH like, can you believe that that's what they're talking about? Like, holy <laughs> shit, they're going to get us thrown out of here. And mm -hmm. Jay's like, that's nah, okay. I know the owners were good. I was like, wow. No, those were, we really, really should. Like I need to work on uh, getting something set up. Uh, Cause that would be a blast. I know Trevor, we've talked about, um, you know, when you make a, a rock star trip up and see if we can't coordinate, and getting everybody together because that would be that would be awesome. Yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. But it's, it's all good. Yeah, right. 
Trevor, Trevor, does your job involve any emergency management? Why, yes, it does. Um, initially, um, it, it didn't, which wasn't a bad thing. It was just what it was. And we actually transitioned from our own municipal police department to our law enforcement being absorbed by Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office. So our emergency management used to be underneath uh, the police department, which was it's uh, you know they're very, or at least you know th that department was very mission specific. And uh, I'm not saying this in a negative way, but you know, emergency management was not really at the top of the priority list, or even a language that they spoke very fluently, um, because it's just like all right, when something happens, we'll tell you what to do. And you know, of course, I'm coming in full of piss and vinegar. Okay, well, hey, here's my AP for the, uh, Hurricane Irma. Here's this. Here's this. Here's this. Here's our operational period. Here's my here's my 211, my 214, and uh, you know they're looking at me like I have three heads. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, we'll we'll stay in our silos. We'll stay in our lanes. But I was trying to you know, have the interoperability. Um, and then uh, also our ocean rescue used to be underneath the police department too for you know, whatever reason. That's just the way the structure was. So about two and a half years ago, um, when we transitioned to uh, PBSO, or I guess it's about that long ago, about two years, yeah, about two years ago or so, we tr uh, transitioned to uh, the sheriff's office for our law enforcement. Uh, my mayor at the time came to me and says, oh, uh, by the way, next week you, you're in charge of ocean rescue and emergency management. Okay, rock on. Um, so, yeah, I took, a, I took a page out of Tommy Kane playbook. It's like, oh, okay, you know, uh, you, no, no need to worry until you, you need to worry, and I'm not worried, so let's go forward. I think um, Mo would put that uh, Mo Cropper put that up a few minutes ago, one one of your famous uh, go-to quotes. So yeah, um, so we we do a little bit of all of it, which is good because you know we have the interoperability. Uh, the sheriff's office certainly because you know the economy of scale. They're such a, a large law enforcement agency. They're one of the largest uh, east of the Mississippi River here in Palm Beach County. Um, I mean they they know that stuff inside and out. So it was just a complete transition to you know going from very dissociated everyone's in their own silos to um you know, work being able to work with multi-agencies and uh you know even even though they're not part of the municipality they're you know hand in hand with us each and every time you know our ocean rescue folks so um you know i'm not by by trade i'm not a you know emergency management trained to the degree that somebody else may, may be who goes strictly into that field but between you know, the, the, between the hurricanes, COVID, and some of the other stuff, um, it's really been trial by fire, and uh, or trial by pandemic too. So it's 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 good. But I, you know, like I uh, look to you a lot, Tommy, as well, and say, hey, you know, this is something that a, a lot of this is already familiar to us. It's just about expanding it or contracting it to meet the incident at hand. So uh, you know, the short answer, Tommy, is yeah, we um, we actually kind of do it all. Um, some some municipalities have a standalone emergency management division just like ocean city did um and others it's incorporated somehow some way uh usually fire service based i mean do you have to do, do any writing yourself like hazard mitigation plans or any uh nuclear facility plans and yeah um all, all that um you know we, we have to we have to do the uh theory assessments all that kind right. of stuff can you know even even though we're not directly responsible for it i mean we it's a small area, but we have the Port of Palm Beach right across from us. Um, we have several target hazards right there. Uh, you know, the previous presidential administration, uh, you know, we had the, the Winter White House was the next island down. So you know, anything that would happen within the county would affect all of us, essentially, um, and to different degrees. But, um, 
yeah, so there, there's always that there's always that hazard assessment that's going on, and the and uh, Tommy, I want you to kind of weigh in on this too. One of the biggest challenges that I found is actually trying to bring this forward. And you know, I could speak to any one of you guys on the screen, and you know, we're we understand what we're saying. Well, we're not a people divided by a common language, but if you have to speak to some um, municipal leaders or community leaders you have to figure out a way to translate all of our jargon to make sense to them. So how, how, how did that work for you, Tommy? Cause you spent so many years in, I mean, cause you had the gift of talking to people and be able to address them. But how, how did that work for you when you went from, and I, I remember you saying this, it's like, you know, we, we be, we be grab ass in the, uh, in, in the kitchen at station three eating lunch and cutting up and carrying on. And then you go into some probably a more formalized environment where lunchtime was very reserved and, you know, no, nobody's, uh, you know, spiking anybody's sandwich with anything or hot peppers or anything else. So how, how did you make that transition from fire service to emergency management and then talking to the people that you needed to talk to? The, the ones that needed it, you had, had to re-explain it and kind of pull them to the side and say, look, this is why we're doing it. This is what the end product would be. And this is, let me give you an example why we should be doing this. Um, at least in, on the Maryland side, Maryland had MEMA, the Maryland Emergency Management Agency, they had great resources and they would send down their staff to help us explain, like we had to do a FIRO or if we were getting a hazard mitigation plan and let's say the commissioners wanted a word in there, we would bring down the group that was contracted by the state to give us a hand say, no, well, wait a minute. And this is like a one-on-one -on -one or two-on-two -two conversation. The reason why we can't do this because this is a FEMA word that has to be in there. And if that word isn't there, when FEMA re-reads re this to approve it, they won't give us the $20,000 to make this project go through. So the choice is we can put that word in there that you want, but that means it's going to cost you $20,000. And then you know, we'll explain more about the definition and you know, where the project is leading to another paper or another book that needs to be written. Um, the end product was that it, it always worked out, but to make the, to make the point, you had to pull them to the side, individually talk to them, um, and kind of you just just re-explained it in layman's terms. And then it was the same thing. Like if you said, "Well, we know you're a politician, but we really want you to take an ICS 400 class," which they, why don't I even send you two days of this stuff? I have no idea what you're talking about. And you say, "Okay, it was." Come on over here. Let me let me talk to you and tell you why this is important. And then usually tie money to it. Say, well, if you don't have this, and we get hit by Sandy or something, which we did, and you may not get the reimbursement that you want to get. And then once you mention money, you say, okay, we do that. Yeah, and and Tommy, you're right because you know, for all the pushback when you, when you reassert yourself in that position and say, hey, look, you know, you put me in this position to you know, give you guidance to the best of my knowledge and ability. And you know, at the end of the incident, when six months later, you're getting your, your full, whatever the threshold was, your 75, 85% reimbursement for FEMA. And, you know, it, it, it you kind of, you kind of want to do that little, that little dance a little bit when, you know, if your police department or your public works department didn't do the same thing and they're getting 35, 25%, nothing, but um, you're absolutely right that they under, they understand when you put it in financial terms, but, um, you know, and Tommy, you've always had that gift of being able to like just talk to anybody. Um, one of the things that I, I I learned from you as well was 
you know, in, in part was to be able to look at di people's different personalities. Because you remember from some of the people, even in Ocean City, some of our commissioners and council people and mayors, that one was bottom line guy. They flipped to the very back page of the budget and say, too much, cut it by 5%. Um, other people, um, that's what's his name, Vince, that he would go and see, he say, hey, on page 42, line three, subsection this, this is 10 cents more than last year. Why? And so everyone had a different way, whether they were, you know, uh, what they call it, like driver, amiable, expresses, you know, the mom and apple pie people, the bottom line people. So, you know, how did you learn to navigate that, Tommy, when you went from, you know, fire service, being able to talk that language into just a whole new subset of people? <laughs> If it was local, I sent David Cropper in to talk to him. <laughs> but at the, at, the, at the county level, you know, I was you know, third, third on down the line. We had a director, assistant director. Um, but you know, I guess the good thing was whether it was Ocean City or actually even Ocean City. You know, when we started our negotiation stuff where we wanted to, had an idea and we wanted to run through the council first, you know, Dennis there was always receptive to letting you know, John Holloway and myself come in and talk to him. He said, send us on down to talk to Guy Ayers. Um, you know, at the county level, you know, Fred Webster would go talk to the commissioners one-on-one -on -one, or he'd bring them down to EOC and we would talk to them about you know, what we're doing and what the price tag is. But I think that was the benefit of living in a, a smaller area, um, you know, probably unlike Baltimore City or Baltimore County. You know, it was more of a, a, I'll say almost like a first name basis. You know, we, we talk, we can make an appointment, we can go in and see somebody. So we're, we're never really shut down. And then if we need to go back two or three times to talk to them or bring in somebody that maybe explained it better than I could or somebody else could, I might bring in somebody from the health department or I might ask for, uh, I don't know, someone from Pocomo could help me. So uh, we're just you know, knowing your resources and then taking the right time to you know, tackle the challenge. To me, that's something that shows just, you know, not only like maturity and integrity, but just some some requisite knowledge, because you don't always have to be the, the face yeah. of something. Even if you're in charge of it, you don't have to be in charge. You know, David, for example, is one of those people that he had a great rapport with a lot of folks. Um, you know, he, he knew them on you know various different levels and basis. So, you know, he would be the better messenger. You know, yeah. he could take the message, but not and. I think that takes a lot. And that was one of the greatest, um, I think, leadership attributes you know, among the many. They, uh, as you said, you lead by example. And you know, we saw that quite a bit, that you didn't always have to be the guy carrying the ball. And you would give that to other people. And no, no matter where help. they were in the department, you did that. Yeah, hey, ask for help. I mean, if I can do it, I mean, I'll ask Bobby to do it. Or, I, I, or we be in a situation and say, hey, Bobby, what, what do you think is going to work better here? Or, or Dougie or somebody else that I'm working with? Because, I mean, it, if you have a rank, you definitely don't know it all. So yeah, use your resources. It's, it's a team. It's definitely never an individual gate. You know, there's always the team there, the shift. You know, if that if that doesn't work out, you know, bring the next station down, bring the next station down, or bring the next county and next city. You know, we've got the resources. Let's use them. Okay. I do have to call. I do have to call classes. We take it. Yeah. Tommy's not Tommy's not always the best guy. I gotta call him out a little bit. He he <laughs> served me the worst. He served me the worst vanilla ice cream I ever had at Station Three one time. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, so do I. So do I. <laughs> that was that was a good one though, wasn't it? It was. Apparently, yeah, that was a good fresh, one. Fresh vanilla ice cream has very much the same look as uh, margarine does. <laughs> For my second scoop. <laughs> 
<laughs> was quite. I think, David, I think David Crockett was there for that one too. I'm not sure. I, don't, I can't remember. Oh yeah, there. he fought. I'm sure he wasn't there. There was teamwork <laughs> on that. Yeah. Well, Bobby was expressing something with his hands. We did the old switcheroo. Never knew it. <laughs> Well, it, on on that on that note, Tommy, between between David Cropper and uh, Jack Fisher, what is the most bizarre and unique kind of uh, animal that you've eaten that was either shot or killed uh, by a vehicle that they brought to the firehouse to cook? Oh my gosh, um, most bizarre. I'll tell you probably the, the, I don't know about bizarre, but I'll tell you one of the tastiest things is that David's dad, Turner, would bring in these things that he called clam hearts. And actually what he did, when he would go to bed, he would take those, those cohogs, the big clams, and that abductor muscle, he would slice them paper thin and put them in a buttercup for it and bring it, bring it up you know, every, every couple months. They are so tasty that if, if a restaurant knew how to make those and what they were, that would put sushi out of business. But those are probably one of the, the oddest things that tasted the best in all those years that came, came from our Turner crop or clam hearts. And it's clam, uh, clam chowder was really good too. Looked like mud, but it tasted like gold. But uh, yeah, Fisher, they never brought any pigeons in or anything. <laughs> Here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this picture back up. This was from our dinner. Right. And actually, we're going to do this. Make yeah, my sharp individual there would have been a great officer. Yeah, he yep. today is actually his birthday. Yeah, happy birthday, Michael. Yep, good yeah. crew. Yeah, I don't know if you guys saw it earlier. Um, McCready Crabpot put in the in the comments um, that Dell walked into Station Four one day and nobody knew who he was. Well, no kidding. <laughs> look what he looks like here. He looks like frickin' Ernest Hemingway. Look at him. I mean, there he's a little cleaned <laughs> up, but imagine him walking in after being out on the boat fishing or, or uh, diving or doing whatever, and holy cow, he looks homeless. I and think one of the guys thought he was homeless. <laughs> Excuse me, sir. Do you, can I can I call somebody for you? Mm. But. Looks like a Norwegian fisherman. <laughs> well, Hans Bronze. So, so what do you got going on with your department, Trevor? What's uh, what kind of stuff are you doing? What kind of training? A uh, little bit of everything. You know how it goes, Tommy. You got so many things that you got to try to be proficient in, and you just don't have enough time or resources or anything else to do it. But um, very blessed to work with a great, great group of people. Bobby, uh, well, both Bobby and Ben have been down there, um, but Bobby's actually come down and done some training with uh, some of my folks uh, when he's when he's been in town. I've kind of uh, conned him away from his family, to, you know, which I'm, I'm sure they probably want to throw rocks at me, but the, uh, you know, he's come over and done some training with us. And, uh, you know, so we, we have a little bit of everything. She was, she, was, she was good with a break for me. What's that? She was fine with a break for me for a while. Oh, okay. Well, you know, in that case, but now, um, now we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, you know, the, the typical standard garden variety, fire and EMS stuff, but with the target hazards, similar to Ocean City, but in a much uh, smaller scale. I mean, we have the we have the high rises. We have some of the large marinas. We have the inlet, um, you know, some of the out, you know, outlying areas. But overall, it's, uh, you know, it's it's going pretty well. And it's just I, I've got such a cycle because we're a small department that um, I, 
I lose a lot of people, especially my volunteer corps, to the career industry, which is great for them. Um, right now, the hiring down in this region is very, very prolific, and it's a great time to get into the fire service as far as you know, being able to jump on board and get established and you know, have a, a, a good pay grade and uh, upper mobility. So I tell them all the time, I said, look, if I'm going to lose you, it needs to be to success and not something stupid. So um, very, very, like I say, very blessed to have them for the time that I do. Uh, I just have one of my uh, full-time firefighter paramedics who uh, he's got a young family. He just took a job. He started the academy with County Fire Rescue on Monday. Um, he's he's going to do great. And I, I guarantee you know, he'll be he'll be doing well, um, you know, not long out of that. And a couple of my other folks um, that you know, work with me in, in the department full time and as well as volunteers, I see them regularly. And it's kind of cool because they they come back. They'll say, hey, you know, do you mind if I come to one of your Tuesday night drills? And, you know, and hey, I learned this really cool stuff and I like to share it with the, the people there. Absolutely. And it's, it's just really neat. It's really neat to have those people kind of come back home, so to speak, because for the majority of them, it's just like, you know, me in Ocean City. That's, that's where I started as a kid, um, you know, and you, you, you respect that and you understand that and you know where you, you know, where your roots are and where you got your, you got established in the fire service and then, you know, the people who, whether or not they felt like it again, like, you know, the, the Tommy Canes, the Doug Scotts, the Dell Bakers, you, you mentioned Keith Downey earlier. Um, yeah, I had a chance to work with him for a few years. I actually replaced it. I was seven, I was a P8 back then or uh-huh. 7408. I, I, I replaced Keith Downey's position. Um, it's how, how long ago it was. So you, you, you look at that progression and say, okay, what, what can I give back at this point? Um, you know, between the good, the bad, and the ugly, as Tommy, you say all the time, it's, it's still the greatest job in the world. But what can you glean from all that? And tell this this new person coming in the fire service who sees things through a completely different spectrum and prism that you do, um, how to say, look, it's this is going to be a, a really crazy wild ride for the next 25, 30 years. Strap in and have fun, you know, and, and go for it. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm again, I'm very blessed to have some really great uh, folks. I have a very young workforce for the most part, uh, so I'm. It, it's so funny because I'm. I'm still the kid as far as uh, all you guys are concerned. And then I'm, I'm the old man at work. So it's uh, you're, it's you're kind still of the old man. To be. What's that? You're still the old man. Shut up, Ben. <laughs> no one asked you. <laughs> I, I tell that to Bobby, but he's my boss. <laughs> he, he can't, he can't hear you. It's okay. Or he'll, actually he'll, he'll forget about it. You can tell him whatever you want, but he'll, he'll lose it or forget about it. Actually, <laughs> yeah, he, he's giving me the unicorn fist. I, I, I learned that term the other day. It's uh, it's, it's called the unicorn fist. Oh, I like uh, that. Yeah, so please use that. It's not mine, but yeah, I wanted to share that. Yeah. So, well, um, and actually, it, uh, real quick, you you know, I, I don't worry about Bobby ever getting lost, like in his in his dotage, you know, when he's an old man, because there's always a trail of Bobby somewhere. Like it's like, oh, there's there's Bobby's gloves. Oh, there's his hood. There's his job shirt. So at the end of that trail of all the shit Bobby lost, you'll find Bobby. He'll be okay. There's a naked Bobby. <laughs> Ew. I won't I won't tell him about that time that uh, you rode on the back of my motorcycle, Bobby. Well, that's another show. <laughs> Well, that was that's a good, good time. That's good bike week. What a time it came. Yes, it was. That me and Bobby right. again. Well, we are we are just a little over an hour, um, so we're going to go ahead and start wrapping it up. Uh, we're going to kick it down to Bobby, then over to Trevor, and then uh, up to Tommy for for our final thoughts. Um, so go ahead, Bobby. After we just got done beating up on you. Yeah, yeah, that hurt a little bit. Good thing <laughs> I forget about it. 
<laughs> so, uh, Tommy, thank you very much for coming on. And, uh, you know, Man, I think my pleasure seeing you guys. It's, 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 you know, things are different in Ocean City. Lots of really good people have left and lots of really good people are coming in. So, you know, it's just it's a progression of things, you know, and all that. But um, it's great to kind of go back and talk about how things were, uh, you know, back back in, I guess you call it back in the day, whatever that day is. Um, so it's really good to have you on here, and I'm glad you're doing well. It sounds like your family's doing really well. Um, and, and, and and send my wife, uh, send your wife my sympathies for being with you when you're retired all the time. Uh, I'm sure that's not easy for her. <laughs> yeah, that's why, that's why I enjoyed your last uh, podcast with two Thursdays ago. Uh, gotcha. Yeah. So, um, you know, I'm currently doing a, a firefighter one class for the uh, for Votech here in uh, Worcester County. And so I'm seeing the brand new guys and girls coming in and uh, the future is still bright for the fire service. Um, you know, for those, those, those thinking about doing this for a living, um, I've never regretted a day of it. Um, I've loved everything I've done. And it's because I've been able to be, meet people like Tommy and Trevor and Ben and all those people along the way. It kind of made it very uh, interesting. Uh, sadly, if you do it, a third of the stories you can't really tell anybody. Um, but that's what kind of makes it fun. So uh, mm -hmm. thanks, everybody, for showing up. And thank you, Tom. We've got to get together soon. All right, man. My pleasure. Trevor, that's you, buddy. Trevor, hello. Hi. Hey, I, I know I'm, I'm, move, I'm moving on island time now, brother. So, uh, Tommy, it's great to see you. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I, I know you're always, a, you know, you're always a humble guy and give credit everywhere else. But you, you definitely inspired a lot of people in our industry, you know, myself included. Loved working with you every minute of it. And um, yeah, I, I refer to you often in, in the positive way. The other stories, I, yeah, I, like the other third that Bobby's talked about, you know, we, we keep them, uh, you know, off the, off the radar until the statute of limitations is over with. But, yeah. Um, no, it's it's been a great ride, and it's it's just you know it's great to see you and just look at that you know vast amount of experience and knowledge that you're able to share with everybody and still do today, and um, you still bring the positivity and the, and the greatness of the job forward. So Tommy, it's you know awesome to see you. Glad you and the family and your girls are doing well. Um, your 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 curse has been passed along now to Steve Twilly. I think what well, he's got he's got he's got three or four daughters now. Four. Okay, so you know, Tommy, you you double cursed him, so um, you know he he's he's got all girls too, so uh, you know, I guess he he's carrying the torch for you now. He's a lucky boy. Uh, <laughs> so with that, Tommy, thank you so much, man. We love your brother, and uh, yeah, really glad to have you on the show. So with that, Ben, I'll I'll give it to you to wrap us up and do the final stuff to TK. Well, we're gonna get some yeah. final thoughts from TK. Go ahead. Yeah, just, just thanks a lot. I mean, it's just those, uh, you know, Feltman's of Coney Island, hot dogs, best in the world. Um, yeah, always a pleasure seeing you guys. You bring a smile on my face. So I'm glad everybody looks so well and doing well. You keep up the good work. Um, you know, you tell your families that we said hello. You know, Bobby, Ben, tell everybody in Ocean City, I, I you know, send my best. Um, you know, hopefully I'll make to Florida sooner rather than later. And, yeah, maybe we can pull something up in Delaware or Ocean City or Florida to get everybody together. But, uh just a real pleasure seeing everybody. So thank you very much. And uh, we're just a product of our, our environment. It's all good. Yeah. Thanks, TK. Um, I, I do have one more, one more since we just kind of got done talking about family and all that kind of stuff. So I'm going to share one more picture. And I stole this from um, on the line. So got to show off 
man and his proud family. Look at that. That's a great picture, hey, TK. There's uh, the main fire chief in that yellow dress right there. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Everybody's doing good. Yep, and you're, you're a grandchild short, correct? Right, yeah, Madeline, which is over my left shoulder. She has a little girl, Myla. And then Megan is holding Rowan. And then the one in front of Sarah is Tommy. That's awesome. Yep. That's, awesome. that's all good. That, that, hey, that's what it's all about. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay, uh, so, yeah, what's that? Ohana, right? Ohana. It's yep. Hawaiian for yep. family. Yep. Yeah. She so got I just wanted to share she wants that. Me to get one. She wants me so, to get Ohana tattoos like she got. Oh, that's cool. I'm chicken. <laughs> I'm playing needles now. We'll see. Maybe soon. Maybe soon. Well, we're gonna so we're gonna wrap it up here. What a great show! What a great opportunity yeah. to sit down and, and chat with TK about um, you know everything going on. It was great to get some perspective from his various careers between Beach Patrol, the Fire and EMS, and emergency management. Um, I know in the conversations that we've had with him, or that I've had with him, that he really enjoyed. Uh, the time in emergency management, and now he's really enjoying his job uh, as a grandfather. So, TK, congrats. Thank you for everything you that you, for me that you've taught me. Oh, uh, there's Shelby with Bobby. Yeah, I learned something from Bobby and Trevor, too. And May Cranston, and Dave, and everybody else. It all balances out. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, before we sign off here tonight, uh, let's raise a glass one to TK, the one and only. And then uh, hold it up there, fellas, because we got, we got a the line of duty death for the FDNY fireman uh, that, that passed away yesterday. And then a couple of days ago, we had a, a fireman in Hartford County, Maryland, uh, pass mm-hmm. away on the job. So for them, cheers. All right. Now, um, so as we, as we wrap up uh, two weeks, we've got um, Trevor's recently passed on some contact information for some great folks that are going to be coming up. Uh, one is the, the fire chief of Pittsburgh. Um, so we're going to try and get him on. And then as one is a chief from Boston, uh, that's Pat Nichols. Is that correct? Trevor and Bobby. Okay. Um, so I'm going to reach out to those and see if we can't get those guys set up. Um, apparently we're not going to try and get uh, chief Nichols on for uh, St. Patty's day. That's a bad idea. Trevor said, uh, so we'll, uh, We'll work on that. So yeah, yeah, try try to get an Irish fireman to come on a podcast on St. Patrick's Day. If you can do it, brother, if you can pull it off, I, I, I want to see it. <laughs> yeah, we'll give it a shot. We'll see what shakes out. Um, oh, you can. It just won't go well. Or it'll go great. <laughs> yeah, we we need a we need a three second delay on the podcast. <laughs> um, so if you guys are still interested in catching some more great information on uh, another great podcast, I don't know if you guys have seen the Getting Salty Experience podcast. Uh, those guys, a couple of retired guys from the FDNY, um, they have retired uh, Chief Vinny Dunn on tonight, um, who has written extensively about building construction and collapse um, and all that kind of stuff. So um, if you guys you know, really enjoyed this and still want some more, uh, go check those guys out. They do a great job, and it's guaranteed to be a great show. Um, so with that being said, again, cheers, gentlemen. It's always a pleasure. And have a good night, and we'll see you, see you next time. All right, man. Be safe. Thank you, man.